Well, Colorado fans, I hope you have caught your breath after that uh, interesting ending to the game in Massachusetts as Colorado hangs on 41-38 to beat the Minutemen. My name is Adam Munster-Tiger. I am joined by Ryan Konigsberg. Uh, we watched the game together, and Ryan, that was kind of an in- unconventional way to end the game there. Uh, instead of punting the ball with the ball uh, deep in uh, their own territory, they decide to have Seppel run around, and literally as the clock is ex- expiring, he gets sacked. If that happens one second earlier, UMass has a chance to tie the game with a field goal. What were your thoughts? What, were, what was running through your mind as that play was transpiring? I'm just laughing over here because that was just—it was so weird. I just have these visions of Seppo just running around, and your eyes are going from him to the clock to the play. And I—I I don't know if that was the most efficient way to run the clock out, but uh, <laughs> as um, Brian, one of the guys we were watching the game with, said, he got the job done. They—they they got the victory. So. Um, it wasn't the most conventional. I mean, I'm not even emotionally attached to the game. My heart was beating over there because I just thought something something that was going to be on blooper reels for years to come was about to happen. But they get the win, and I'd love. I'm, <clears throat> I'm interested to see the post game quotes because it looked like something else happened with with McIntyre and Mark Whipple and Mark Whipple UMass head coach, afterwards, yeah. and but he seemed fired up. Even you know, 20 seconds after, it looked like Sefo had to come over and calm Coach Mac down. It was the whole ending there was interesting, but. Uh, I guess it's a it's a victory for the Buffaloes in the end. There were probably three factions of the fan base going into the game. One faction that said, just win the game. Find one way to win. It doesn't matter how it happens. I'm going to be happy. There was another faction that wanted a blowout victory to be happy. Uh, the spread was 17 points going into the game. Obviously, Colorado didn't, didn't cover that. For a second there, late in the game, it looked like they had a chance to after they had come back. And then there was another faction that no matter what happened today, whether they blew them out, they weren't going to be happy. So I feel like only one-third of the fan base is probably very happy about this game. There were a lot of concerns to take away from this football game. Obviously, if they play like they did today against UMass, the rest of their schedule, aside from Hawaii, and even that you can debate, they probably don't win another football game. So some concerns there, but... Ryan, is, is a win a win in this situation? I think a win's a win, uh, definitely, for this team. You know, uh, I think if they lose that game, it's such a different situation. You know, that's that's uh, everything is indefensible. Fans go ahead and have at it and rip apart whoever you want because no one can be defended. But somehow, you know, three points makes a huge difference. Now, I feel like if they lose that game, they have to completely go back to the drawing board. You know, you're thinking of scrapping Cepho, maybe a starting quarterback, just to shake things up. Uh, but now they got to win, and I feel like that's something you can build off of. Even the person who wasn't going to be happy with a blowout victory has to pull a few things from this and say, okay, well, at least they showed they can go up against a little adversity. You know, this is a – when you put everything else aside, as I just I just said this on Twitter, it's, it's an 11-point comeback victory on the road. And, and if you just try and, you know, block out uh, who they're playing and, and that sort of thing and the fact that there wasn't much of a road atmosphere – that's big for this kind of, for this team, you know. They they saw some adversity and it was something that they couldn't overcome last week against Colorado State. And they come into this game, they see some adversity and they make a few adjustments and you know, they get Christian Powell in there who seemed to be the right guy and they figured it out and they found a way to win and even the person like I said who wasn't even going to be happy with a blowout victory has to be happy with seeing that. I had mentioned going into this game that something had to give because Colorado was 2-33 and in their last 35 games and games played outside the, the state of Colorado. 
Now UMass, they, they only won one game each of their last two seasons, and this was the eighth game since they moved up to the FBS ranks that they've played a power conference team. And if you look at the scores of all those previous games against power conference teams, they got absolutely killed. This is the only time they've even been close to the competitive against a power conference team. So that's definitely the negative side of it. Um, 38 points is a, is a school record against a... Uh or just a school record for them in FBS play. And that's not even against power conference teams. That's, against that's anyone, since yeah. they moved up to the FBS ranks in 2012. So um, there, there isn't going to be a whole lot of optimism about this team going forward. So, you know, if you're a Colorado fan watching this game, I think part of you just kind of wants to enjoy the win today. Seth Olufa, 26 of 42, 318 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Now that interception was a a completed pass basically to, to Shea Fields, but uh, it was wrestled away by the UMass defender. He, he missed some throws, though. This was not the, – the stat line maybe makes it look like he played a little bit better than he did. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, he easily could have been 30 of 42 with a, a good chunk more yardage, and all of a sudden that looks like a, a pretty good game out of him. Um, he missed Shea Fields on one over the top. That should have been a touchdown. Um, he missed, you know, a, a – seemed like a good amount of uh, out routes towards the sideline and uh, you know in the he did he did uh, seem to get some more confidence in the end of the game which was good to see from him he kind of took them down there and hit some of those outside throws and converted some third downs which they were I believe they started the game four of nine on third down which is uh, unacceptable against UMass so you know he did build some confidence late in the game but it wasn't something you know that you think you left uh, awe-inspired about Cepho's performance. On the ground, uh, Christian Powell with 80 yards, Tony Jones with 47 yards, a good 47 yards. He averaged 6.7 yards per carry. I think this was one of his best performances in recent memory. Philip Lindsay with 41 yards on seven carries, a healthy 5.9 yards per carry average. The guy that really struggled on the ground was Michael Atkins. He started the game and just wasn't getting it going, only ended up picking up five yards on, on five carries, and they smartly went away from him as the game went on. Uh, Powell kind of set the, the, the tone. Now, this is a UMass run defense that is one of the worst in college football. So some of those runs that we're working with him, I don't know if they're going to work going forward. Uh, by and large, the ground game, I would say, was slightly better than it was a week ago. But then you have to take into consideration the opponent as well. Yep. Um, I think Christian Powell is the bright spot there. Um, I know you said Tony Jones had one of the better games. But to see Christian Powell running the way he did, and he kind of does have a reputation for feasting on lower competition in that sense. But you're talking about a guy who wasn't making the runs last year that he made today where guys are bouncing off of him. And, and it's hard to even remember a time today that he went down on first contact. So I think it's encouraging for Buffs fans to see him running downhill like that and kind of, you know, looking like that power back. Um, 4.2 yards of carry for him is really good because, he, you know, you're not expecting him to break those off. So, I mean, you look at a guy like Philip Lindsay, he had 41 yards and seven carries, but he had a long of 27. And that kind of inflates the, the, sure. the yardage there. So, you know, when uh, when Christian Powell is averaging 4.2 yards a carry, you can kind of c- count on that being a, a consistent 4.2 yards. You know, you can hand the ball and he's going to knock someone over and get a forward push. So I, I do think um, the run game still has lots to work on, but it is encouraging, I think, to see Christian Powell moving like that. 
for the team, a 3.3 yards per carry average. That number dropped down a little bit there on the last few plays of the game uh, with, with Sefo trying to run the clock out there on the last play. That that still makes me laugh too, Ryan. That, gosh, that, that was one of the more bizarre endings to a football game. The, the most encouraging thing for me, not only in this game, but even in the first game as, as well as the receivers. Nelson Spruce, 10 catches, 145 yards, two scores. Sheffield, six catches, 93 yards, a score. Bryce Bobo, we finally get to see him catch his first pass as a buff. Six, uh, five catches for 54 yards. Tony Jones, a few catches out of the backfield. So uh, pretty encouraging there. Tyler McCulloch uh, dropped a, a pass, had another one overthrown. Um, so he wasn't much in the mix today. But I think that's uh, kind of... One of the brighter spots when you look at this team going forward, when you look at the fact that none of those guys are seniors and, and two of them are first-year guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd like to take a little credit for my uh, my pick-to-click Shea Fields actually clicking. Uh, I don't know how often we've actually got one of those to uh, <laughs> click. So six catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Should have been another one over the top like I mentioned earlier. Um, he looks He looks good. I mean, there's no two ways about that. He looks comfortable out there. He's running great routes. He's catching the ball. He, you could almost, you know, it's the quintessential thing about freshmen. He's going to have some lows. He obviously kind of let that ball get ripped out of his hands yeah. there. But uh, other than that, you know, he looked really good. Uh, you, you mentioned Bryce Bobo. Uh, we saw a little swagger, I want to say, out of him. He looked like he, he didn't belong out there last week. Um, and then he got the ball in his hands today. He made a couple cool um, possession receiver moves that you might say, you know, pushing a couple guys off of him and getting upfield. Um, and then, of course, Nelson Spruce is just – hes I, th- I feel like he, Colorado fans love him, and he's still underrated. I think, you know, he is a really, really great wide receiver, and I feel like he's just uh, still even a little bit underappreciated. I made a comment, uh, and this was my attempt at a compliment to, to Nelson Spruce, is in the preseason I said he won't be the worst number one receiver in the Pac-12 because I felt like most people actually thought that was the case. And I'm not going to go down the list and look at every Pac-12 program, but just – Based off his performance through two weeks, I feel like that's a, is a true statement for him. Um, Daryl O'Neill, another good game, punting the ball at, with uh, 48.8 punting average, two inside the 20, and uh, continues to be one of their more consistent players. If they had, you know, 22 Daryl O'Neill-esque type players at their position performing at the level he p- performs as a punter, they'd be doing pretty darn good. So a good game out of him. Uh, before we move on to the defense, I. I, I before I went on to special teams, I should have talked about the O-line. I felt like they still failed to get a push. And this, you're talking against, again, one of the worst FBS defenses in college football. So that was pretty dis- discouraging. I still don't feel very good about that unit going forward. Yeah, you made a comment during the game. It seemed like on every play, someone was messing up. And that's that's just not going to work, uh, especially against, you know, even Arizona State next week. That's going to look really bad. Um, because these are Pac-12 defensive linemen, and when you mess up, they're going to get to the quarterback, or they're going to blow it up in the backfield. And it just seems like that offensive line unit doesn't have the cohesion, and it's almost discouraging when you look at the way that CSU just kind of threw an offensive line together of a bunch of guys who hadn't done it to- together, and all of a sudden they're just smashing CU off. Like a, the line. Like a pickup game at the YMCA. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> they made it look easy to do that. So you wonder, why can't CU, you know, these they have experience on there. They have size. It's like, what's going on? Why isn't this working? Um, and you you start to question uh, whether or not it is time to let uh, Shane Callahan get in there and see if he can help that line come together somewhere. Um, you know, you saw 
Stefan Nembot is going to have a hard time with some speed rushers in the Pac-12, and I don't I don't think that's can even be questioned. So the the offensive line play might probably still to this point. Eh, I guess the other line is a little questionable too, but. Those two are probably the, big, the biggest uh, scary question marks for this team right now. You mentioned maybe giving Shane Callahan a chance in there. They did uh, experiment with uh, a few guys defensively. Akella Witherspoon early in the game at cornerback uh, gave up a touchdown in the back of the end zone. And then they, they went back with Crawley, and I felt like uh, the, the secondary played really, really well in the second half. There were even a, a couple plays where uh, the D-line didn't get pressure immediately, and the quarterback still had nowhere to go with the ball. Uh, one coverage sack for sure and a couple other plays where they, they really uh, played great coverage. Uh, Evan White played a lot at safety in this game. It's funny because just this past week I was talking to Mike McIntyre about Evan White, and he said that that's a really hard position to play as a true freshman because if you're one yard off on your alignment, it could mean the difference between you know uh, making a good play or giving up a touchdown. And so uh, he played out there. I didn't see him make a lot of glaring mistakes, so I, I guess that's – uh, you know, uh, a feather in his cap as far as being a true freshman. I, I did see a few times where maybe it looked like he was a little bit late getting to the ball. But, uh, again, you're going to have to go through some of that when you've got inexperience back there. Tedrick Thompson, uh, the other starting safety today, led the team with 11 tackles, also had an interception, which we were watching the stream. It was kind of hard to tell. They reviewed it. It was hard to tell if that was definitely a catch. It was uh, confirmed on the field. He also forced a fumble. Addison Gillum, finally we saw a glimpse of the Addison Gillum we got used to seeing last year and when he got into the backfield there. He had eight tackles. Defensively, did anything else stand out to you? I felt like the, the D-line played much better in, in the second half, but in the first half it was woefully bad once again. Yeah, um, just going back to a little bit to Evan White, um, I, I saw him be aggressive. He looked aggressive out there, and uh, for – a true freshman playing at a, a, a position that you, like Mike McIntyre mentioned, it's a little bit scary to be out there because you can mess up. But I saw him, you know, coming in hard on some running plays, trying to rip the ball out of some guy's hands. I really like to see that aggression out of him. And you mentioned that we didn't see him do anything bad. I, I think there needs to be a new saying or a, a phrase even. You didn't see his name on Twitter. If you didn't see his name on Twitter, <laughs> then he was all right because it seems like that's the thing these days. When someone messes up, there's you, you get exposed in different ways to today than you did uh, 15, 20 years ago. Exactly. Sure. So no one was out there saying Evan White looks like he doesn't belong or anything like that. Um, so that was encouraging. Uh, otherwise, you know, um, I think they were good in coverage. They had that one touchdown that was just an incredible catch from that tight end. Yeah. Chidabe was a even made a good play it seemed like he he made a play to rip the guy's arm away and he looked like he was you know tugging on something that wasn't going to move and uh that was just an incredible play so other than that you know it seemed like they were good uh greg henderson got beat on a couple that you wouldn't expect out of him but then late in the game made a couple plays i think with this team confidence is just such an issue and it seems when their confidence goes down everything goes wrong and when their confidence goes up you start to see those glimpses like you see out of Addison Gillum and Greg Henderson so uh, maybe that's a byproduct of having a young team but you know we're addressing Colorado fans that are just sick and tired of hearing excuses yeah that's true but at the same time it's I mean that's that's the, the truth it is a young team you know and they're gonna these are 18 19 20 year old kids they're very uh I don't want to say mentally unstable, but they're very easily impacted, you know. And so they're they're and they've 
been beaten down over and over again most of these guys in their career. Their confidence, it's just naturally going to be shaky. You know, they can't go out there and act like they run the world because they've been stomped on. They just lost to their in-state rival. Finally, a couple plays out of Josh Tupo today. Still nowhere near the all-conference caliber that we were expecting to see from him. We saw Dejon Wilson out there at defensive end. I didn't really notice him out there much at all against CSU, so he got some increased playing time. Tim Coleman at defensive end comes in, uh, gets his first career sack. Still, uh, obviously, that's that position defensive end is going to be this work in progress throughout the season. You're going to see glimpses, in, but you're going to see a lot of mistakes out of that group. Um, there were some plays where, where you just noticed, gosh, you know, they, they were able to stop UMass on this play, but what's going to happen next week when they go against Arizona State? They're going to go 80 yards for a touchdown on this play. And so that's obviously the biggest concern I think you take coming from this game. Um, Aside from that, uh, I don't really have much else to add. It was, again, it, it's a win, but going forward, if they perform like that, they're, they're not going to win, except maybe Hawaii. Yeah, I think you do have to look at it, though, as they're going to improve. I mean, they they should improve, I should say. And, uh, you know, the fact that they got this win, I think it gives them a chance to get a little confidence going, you know. Uh, I don't... I don't know if they're quite to the point where they're going to, you know, expect to be ASU next year. I'm sure you'll hear them, or next week, I'm sure you'll hear them say it all week. But just the fact that they got that win out of the way, and I said this earlier, but if they lose that game, you're thinking 0-12, and you're thinking that, you know, everything is starting to get thrown out the window, and you're taking big steps backwards. So... You get that out of the way. You make sure you don't have your Montana State or your Sacramento State meltdown on your uh, resume if you're Mike McIntyre. And uh, you try and find what you did right and start building on that. I did lie. I do have something else we need to talk about, and that's special teams. We, we consistently see the other team basically starting their drives at midfield over and over and over again. And that that is a... a a big point I know with the fan base because you you do have a, a guy, a assistant coach that that's all he does is coach the special team so he's more under a microscope. We we saw last year they struggled early on in the season with special teams and got better at it. I, I certainly think that if that doesn't happen, there, I mean that's going to be continue to be something that's harped on by the fan base. You mentioned uh, the sort of thing of okay they stopped UMass on that play, but. That's going to the house if it's Arizona State next weekend, and you have to feel that way about kickoff, especially. Um, There's one punt where Dara might have outkicked his coverage a little bit, but they probably should have pinned that guy down inside the 10-yard line. He made a couple good moves and, and took it back pretty far, but the kickoffs was definitely the glaring weakness. Um, obviously, Will is a little inconsistent on whether he can force a touchback on that. So, it seems like it, it, he the, he starts out pretty strong to start the game. It at least gets to the end zone, and then every kickoff from that point is a little bit shorter, a little bit shorter, and then you've got guys starting their return at the 10-yard line by yeah. the end of the game. I would expect to see them trying something other than trying to kick it deep next week uh, against Arizona State just because, like you said, if that's, you know, who I don't even know who ASU puts back there, but I can guarantee you he's probably a 4-3 guy with some moves. They're going to take one to the house, like, almost inevitably if you're letting them return it from the 10-yard line and your their coverage is awful. So uh, I think you'll see them probably trying to do that pooch thing and have a tight end catch it on the 35 and get them as close as you can to there. That's at least what I would expect to see next week. When we did our season preview, we were talking to, we were kind of basically running down the schedule and uh, you, you looked at that Arizona State game and you said, gosh, you know, 
if everything breaks right these first few games, I think I could see CU pulling off an upset there. I'm assuming, based off the first two weeks, that's no longer the case, Ryan. Yep, well, I, I characterize that as if CU is 2-0 going into that game and they're impressive against UMass, then I'll pick them to win. Obviously, neither of those things happen. They aren't 2-0, and they're, they weren't impressive against UMass, so um, that is officially not going to be the, uh, the RK upset special of the year. And that's going to be a late start at 8 p.m. at Folsom Field. Uh, we're going to obviously get you ready earlier in the day with our video preview. Thanks for checking out our, our post-game wrap-up. I hope you enjoyed it.